Welcome to The Reconnected Mama, the non-parenting podcast for moms about moms. I'm your host, Megan O'Brien, a Midwest mom of three boys obsessed with living my best life and helping you do the same. After discovering that so many conversations for moms centered around parenting, family, career, or homemaking, I'm bringing you a different conversation, one that focuses on you because putting yourself first, mama, is not selfish. Together, we'll work on leaning into your inner voice to create clarity and action around living a fulfilled life, ditching mom guilt for good, and being the best version of yourself in both motherhood and life. Hello, and welcome back to the Reconnected Mama podcast. I am so honored and excited to have my guest today, Laura Sinclair. Laura believes that you and your business deserve to be seen and has made it her life's mission to support female entrepreneurs in their quest to build a life by design. With over a decade of experience building digital marketing strategies for some of the world's biggest brands, Laura now teaches ambitious women how to adapt the strategies of Fortune 500s for their own businesses, empowering them to step into their inner CEO along the way without sacrificing their sanity. A mother of two, Laura is a marketing and business mentor for ambitious women and CEO of the boutique social media marketing agency, the LJ Social Agency, and the host of This Mother Means Business podcast. Welcome to the Reconnected Mama, Laura. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. It's so funny to hear your own bio written. I'm like, wow, she sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Who's that lady? Who Who is is she? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I'd love to start with a little background of, you know, kind of where you started pre-kids, what that kind of looked like, and then yeah. the journey to, you know, where you are and what you're doing now. Cause I know that's been kind of a crazy journey for you, right? Yeah. Like buckle up. Let's, <laughs> let's go. I think for anybody that's going to hear the story for the first time, it's going to be like, well, that is a lot, but <laughs> So I started my career. I'm Canadian. If you can hear it in my voice, you and I have very different accents, which we love. Um, but I grew up in in PR. So I started my career in PR in Canada, um, kind of back at the time where brands were just learning about social media and how to use it. And they were letting the interns manage their Twitter accounts. And I was the intern. So it was sort of this like first foray into marketing and, and PR and social media and I kind of worked my way up, up through the ranks in PR agencies and found myself running all of the digital media marketing and social media marketing for um, one of the biggest luxury automotive companies in the world. But the whole time I felt very unsettled. Like this isn't this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And I ended up walking away from corporate and I owned a CrossFit gym. I bought a CrossFit gym with my husband. Uh, we ran that gym for five years. And back in uh, 2020, when we all took two weeks off, we closed for two weeks out of an abundance of caution in March. Uh, I was eight weeks pregnant with my two and a half, my now two and a half year old son. Uh, during the time that only I was owning the gym, I had my daughter. So we owned the gym for about a year. I had my daughter. Um, and then March of 2020, I was eight weeks pregnant with my son where I live in Canada, in Ontario, Canada. My gym was closed for about five months. Uh, And we took a really big hit in terms of uh, not only costs during that closure, but in terms of membership during that time. So pre-COVID, we had about 200 members. 
Um, when we were finally able to open back up, we were down to about 115 just based on fear and things like that. People didn't want to come back. And my husband and I made the decision to close the gym permanently uh, because it just really didn't align for our family. At that point, we had two kids. When we started the gym, we had no kids. And it, you know, rebuilding a business that we'd spent the last five years getting to that place felt a little bit cruel. And so I decided to merge my two lives and, you know, my background as a corporate marketer, um, my social media experience, and my time as a small business owner, I had met a lot of other entrepreneurs during that time and realized that a lot of them are really good at what they do and not so good at filling the funnel on their business. And so that is where the LJ Social Agency came from and my marketing mentorship coaching came from as well. I love that. And gosh, yeah, you're right. I mean, such a journey, like all mm -hmm. over the board as far as your background and where you've been and how you got through that. And I'd love to just kind of go back to that pivot that you made, because I feel like as women and as moms, especially as our family evolves, as our kids evolve, as we evolve, we often just feel differently, our priority shift. And so what did that pivot look like for you? I mean, did it take several months? Did you know right away? Can you kind of um, unpack that a little bit for those women that are going through seasons where things are shifting for them and they do want to make a pivot, whether it's in relationships or business or whatever that looks like? How did yeah. you kind of work through that at that yeah, time? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. So when we bought the gym, uh, my husband and I had been married for one month when we bought the gym. Uh, and then my daughter was born a year into owning the gym. So as you can see, we, we did a lot, we packed a lot of things into the first year and, you know, running a brick and mortar business, whether it's a, you know, a gym or a retail store or somewhere you physically have to be, um, is extremely difficult. I run an online business now and there was so much of that really that first year of my daughter's life, which was our second year of gym ownership, that was extremely difficult. It was difficult for me. It was difficult on our marriage. It was difficult for my husband. My husband is a firefighter. He has another job. And so trying to keep the business running um, and the strain that it put on ourselves and our marriage in that first year, so second year of gym ownership, first year of my daughter's life, wasn't a path that we wanted to go down again. And when we, you know, when we were in, we found ourselves in 2020, with, you know, now I had a three month old baby when I think we were able to reopen. No, I'm going to correct myself. We reopened in, I think, July and I was doing October. So I had, you know, July, August, September, wow. my son came three weeks early in October. So I had a very short period of time. And my husband and I were really like, had to reflect on what did we want for our future? And we knew that, you know, running the business with a newborn was not something that we wanted to do again. And we had waited, my kids are, are three and a half years apart, largely in part because we knew that we needed to get the business to a place where we didn't really have to be there every day to run it. And COVID with the closures, you know, the only way that the business would be profitable would be as if we were to go back and, and work so that I wasn't, you know, we're not paying staff. And so for us, it really just became this, like, what, what, what quality of life do we want? And you know, we had gotten, we had both gotten to a point where, you know, five years of running a gym, a gym is a really, you got to pour your heart and soul into that business. And we were at a place where we, we loved the business, but we didn't have as much heart and soul for being in it. And so while it was extremely painful and difficult, a difficult decision to come to, because 
You know, we had people who that gym was their life. That was their community. That was their safe place. That was the place that they got, they came to feel whole. And we were taking that from them by closing. And it was a really difficult decision because there were a lot of emotions involved. But at the end of the day, it just came down to what do I want for my life? What's the quality of life that I want? What do I want for my marriage? What do I want for my kids? And, you know, when I think back to the amount of strain that that, you know, initial first year and and with my daughter, I was really in this energy of like, I'm going to do anything to keep this business open. I will do anything to make this work. And in doing anything, I almost lost everything. And so with my son, when we were, you know, in COVID having to make this decision, like, do we want to go forward with this? Or are we going to, am I going to pivot? You know, my, my husband had his firefighting job and that wasn't going away. Thankfully, um, there'll always be fires to put out and people to save. So it kind of gave me an opportunity to like, look at the vision that I wanted for my life and then to kind of make an assessment from there. And I love that you highlight that it wasn't an easy decision for you, because I think, you know, when we, when we get to these crossroads in life, we assume that it's going to be easy or simple, or we'll just know the right answer. But for you to highlight that it was a really difficult decision for you guys to make. And you, this was a business that you had poured everything into and worked so hard to build that I think understanding coming from a place that when we need to make these changes or pivots or really identify what is the quality of life that we want to have, that it's not going to be easy to close one chapter and open another, right? Like we do have Mm -hmm. to do the work to move through that and kind of get to the other side. So I'm really glad that you shared that because I think that doesn't get talked about enough, how hard these transitions can be, but really being true to who you are, what you want and what you want for your family and identifying that for your future. And that in order to live into that, you have to make those hard decisions in order to change and create the the life that you want. So how, how much time did it take, you know, to really pivot from like closing the gym and then like getting your business up and running your online, um, social agency kind of like going. Yeah. So for, for really, we, so we closed the gym. We made the decision in October of 2020. We officially closed the gym. So very shortly after my son was born, this was something that, you know, my husband and I had kind of put a date on. We like, if, you know, if things aren't improving by the time your, our son is born, we're really going to have to make this decision. And, you know, it was a very difficult decision to your point and lots of emotions, but so we closed officially in December of 2020. So we, I think we ran maybe until like December 20th or something just before Christmas uh, and then we were officially out of our space, you know, dis- dismantling a gym, selling everything uh, is a lot of work. And, you know, I did none of it because I was at home with the newborn, but um, we were officially out of that space on December 31st. And so I think I took about six weeks just to like breathe and just to be like, okay, you know, kind of mourn the loss a little bit of what um what had happened because it was a lot you're dealing with a lot there was you know some last minute talk of somebody swooping in and maybe buying the gym and saving the community that didn't end up happening and so it was just kind of like it was just a lot it was a lot of emotions I had a little baby I also you know my daughter was uh three at the time so I also had a toddler um and so for me it was about it was about six weeks and I kind of just decided that I was just gonna start because you know one thing that I've always pride myself on is just being like pretty scrappy and just kind of like doing it and seeing what happens. And 
Um, so I think it was February 8th, um, February 8th, February 10th, somewhere in there that I just decided I was going to post on my social media. And I was lucky because I, I had an incorporated business already. I had done a little bit of consulting um, really over that time, even when I owned the gym. So I had an incorporated business. I didn't have to go through the process of like getting my LLC set up. Like I had it. And so I just decided that I was going to publicly create an Instagram account, share it on my personal social media and see what happened. And I think in that first week I signed three clients and it was just like, okay, well, I guess this is what we're doing now. And it certainly evolved from that time. But I think what's so cool about online business is that you can move really quickly if you choose to. Yeah, that's so good. And I think there's just so much power in just deciding and doing it. Mm -hmm. And did you have any attachment to what it would look like? Like this has to work or I need to sign clients or was it more of just, I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to see what the response is and I'll go with the flow. Yeah, a little of both. And so I think, you know, one thing I had to look at is, okay, how much money do I need to make? That was really the first question. It was not about like, I want to make six figures. I want to make seven figures. It was just like, what's the bare minimum that I need to make in order to continue to do this and to not go and get a corporate job? That was sort of the goal. And, you know, we had sold all of the equipment from the gym, um, which at the time, everybody wanted gym equipment and nobody could get it. And so we were able to sell, you know, we didn't mark it up by any means, but we were selling used equipment for pretty close to what it would have cost brand new because it wasn't available. And so we had, I had a little bit of a cushion. I had some runway. Um, and so there were numbers behind it where I was like, this is the amount of money that I need to make. It wasn't a huge amount, um, but it was just, this is what I need to contribute um, in order to continue. And fortunately, you know, I was able to make that money and quite a bit more pretty fast. Um, but so there was numbers involved. Yes. But on the other side of it, it was just like, I had no expectations. I actually had a client ask me this the other day. Like, what were your goals for your first year of your business? Like, I didn't have any. I genuinely didn't. It was just, I'm going to try this thing. I need to make, find a way to make $5,000 a month on the internet. Can it be done? And it turns out the answer was yes. You could do it. You know, fortunately, um, you know, I had, I have a certain set of skills, right? And I think one thing that I always try to, to lean away from is there's a lot of rhetoric in the online space. that's like, you know, you can make six figures in three months and like, let me show you how to make $50,000 a month. You know, so I talk about sometimes the fact that, you know, my business hit six figures in nine months, but it wasn't really nine months if we think about it. It was 10 years of marketing experience, five years of entrepreneurship. This was 15 years in the making. This wasn't just like something that happened in nine months. And so um, it, it's something that's important for me to for me to caveat. But, you know, when I think about that first year, I had no expectations. And so that was really the goal. Uh, I'm so glad that you highlighted that aspect of like, it wasn't just a matter of you starting a business and in nine months, but it was the years that you had spent acquiring those skills and those specific abilities to be able to do those things that led you to be successful. Because I think you're right. There's just so much in the online space that really tries to say, okay, you can make this in X amount of months or gain these amount of followers or whatever that looks like. And for women who want to pursue that, who are genuinely interested in starting a business online or whatever that is, it's understanding that it's having skill sets that you've developed over a matter of time and, you know, maybe learning a few new things in that space, but it's not 
from the minute you start your business until that amount of time, it's, it's using what you've already been doing for years of your life. So I'm really glad that you made that connection because I think you're right. That's, that's so important. And that needs to be said because there's just this misconception of, well, if you're not successful or if you're not making this amount of money in X amount of months or whatever that is, this isn't for you. And that's not, that's not the case. No, it's, it's okay if it takes a while. And like, I didn't, you know, I shy away from sharing my own, you know, in my marketing, we see this a lot online, a lot of business coaches, people in the space will share their own financial success as a way to get clients. And it is something that I really do shy away from, you know, certainly in the beginning stages of my business. Um, that first year I did talk about it. And when I look back, I cringe a little bit at myself, but that was sort of what I was taught to do. But the reality is I didn't start from the floor. A lot of people start their business from the floor. I didn't. I came in with a lot of, you know, a lot of skills that helped me to do what I do. I mean, I'm a marketer. I have a PR and communications background. Like when we talk about some of the core fundamentals that you need to build a business, things like messaging, things like being willing to put yourself out there, things like understanding basic technology, building email lists, creating content. Like those are all things that I knew like the back of my hand. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't learning that. I knew how to do that. I was learning how to, you know, how to show up and build a business on Instagram. That was kind of new to me. Certainly being the brand myself, right? I was, you know, very used to being behind other brands. So, So that was a transition. But when I think about, you know, even sales are really uncomfortable. I owned a gym. I've been over in over a thousand sales environments, right? Like, so there's so much about my story that yes, looks, you know, really impressive on paper. If I were to just, you know, bring it down to the sort of microcosm that's been the last two years, but it's really not the last two years. It's been the last, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for nine years. I've been in marketing for almost 20. Like, you know, this is it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So I'd love if you'd speak to, when you started, you know, after transitioning from the gym and then started your online business and and things were growing and kind of taking off, what did that look like from, from running that building that, and then the motherhood standpoint where you had a little one, you had, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what was she three at the time when your son was a baby? So what did that look like? How were you, I don't like to say balance because I don't believe that balance exists. I, I believe that it's, you know, harmonizing and different seasons have different priorities. So how did you kind of integrate all of that together in that time? What did that look like for you? Yeah. At first it was like, you know, I, you know, that whole like nap when the baby naps thing, I didn't nap. I worked. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a lot of content creation while breastfeeding (laughs) that first year. But it does come to a certain point where you can't do it yourself. And so my son was probably, you know, I I started my business when my son was three months old. Probably by the time he was six or seven months old, I recognized that this was no longer sustainable. And I actually hired a nanny. So we had a nanny come in to our home. I think I want to say she maybe came in like three days a week for four or five hours. Fortunately, I was at a place in my business where I could afford to pay for a nanny, which again, not everybody can. But that was that was it for me. And my daughter was in full time daycare. So, you know, I think there's a lot of stories about, you know, you, I built my business with my kids at home. You can do it. But again, because I was able to afford myself a little bit of space from my son and certainly quite a lot of space from my daughter at daycare, I was able to, to do that. But I really did build, you know, this business in the nooks and crannies of, um, of time that I had. It wasn't a lot of time. You know, there was a period of time, really that first year 
I wasn't working more than 15 or 20 hours a week because that's all that I had and was pretty committed to not working in the evenings. And even though some people do that, I think for me, my mindset was a little different because I had literally sold my soul to my gym. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to do that this time. And I think that's why I didn't really have a ton of expectation or goals around, you know, I want to make this much money. It was just like, no, I'm going to stay an entrepreneur as long as I can, but having help uh, has really been the biggest, the biggest thing. And as my business has grown, I'm outsourcing more and more things because I literally, I know that I can have it all, but I cannot do it all. So tell us more about that. What are you outsourcing? What does that look like? Where are you getting help? Yeah, I'm actually so excited that we're having this conversation because I just hired this. She's only been in my home three times. I call her my house helper. Um, She's amazing. And she comes in and she does my laundry. She does my dishes. She cleans. Mm -hmm. She organizes my fridge. She organizes my pantry. Basically all the things that I don't have time for or don't desire to do. So when I think about like what I desire in my life, I love my business. I love what I do. I love the women that I help. I love the freedom that I have in my business. Like I'm super passionate and ambitious about my business. I love my husband. I love myself. I want to have time to do things for myself. I want to exercise. I want to go to the spa. Um, I want to spend time with my husband. I can't do that and also run this house. I can't also do everyone's laundry and also make sure that it's all been put away and also make sure that there's healthy meals. Like there's just not enough time in the day. So this is a really recent thing for me because it was all kind of coming to head just in the last couple of months Mm -hmm. where it was like, I was starting to argue with my husband because things were getting done. He didn't really want to do the housework either. And then I was feeling like kind of resentful towards him for not wanting to do it. But then I had the realization, well, I don't want to do it. So why, why should I be mad at him for not wanting to do it? Um, And so that's been a big, that's been a big one. We don't have family close, so I don't have, you know, grandma's grandpa's, they all live hours away. So we've really had to hire help. And so we've had, both of my kids are in daycare now. My daughter's uh, kindergarten age. So she's in kindergarten. My son is in full-time daycare. And then I also have a house, well, I call my house helper, which she's amazing. So for a while I had a cleaning person coming every two weeks, but then we realized that wasn't quite enough in terms of kids, kids are messy. And uh, yeah, it's just this realization that, you know, you need help. Like you can't, it's impossible, right? Running a full-time, running a business, that's a full-time job. Being a mom, that's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to layer on like house management, household management, somewhere in there, you're supposed to take care of yourself. And somewhere in there, you're supposed to find time for your partner. Um, I just, I don't think it's achievable. So I'm really excited about my, I'm calling my house helper. Her name's Tori. Um, we're in day three. So far, so good. She's coming three times a week for four hours. So it's been honestly like just such a relief because trying to like wear all the hats, like I, I don't, there's not enough room on my head for all of those heads. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. I'm going to like replay that multiple times. So moms, if you're listening, like come back and listen, like it's help, help, help. And so many women, everyone who has come on this podcast says the same thing that help is the, is the biggest thing you can do for yourself. I love this idea of a house helper. We have a, um, a cleaner that comes, but the house helper sounds amazing. Like she was putting my, (laughs) she was putting my underwear away. And I was like, I mean, this is day three, right? So I am not used to this. Yeah, You know, I had like pile folder laundry on the bed and she's like, do you want me to put this away for you? And I was like, I mean, if you want to, you know, like, (laughs) I'm just like, yes, I'm paying you. And it's just, you know, it's just so funny to, uh, 
she went through all my son's clothes because you know they grow to their sizes yes. so fast so yes. she like pulled out the stuff that doesn't fit it's like little things like this right yes that honestly just take up space in my head mm-hmm. right like okay I need to turn over my son's clothes it's getting warm we got to pull out the stuff like no she did it it's just taking it what it is for me is like yes having those tasks are done right but as women as mothers there is a never-ending to-do list constantly mm-hmm. in your head and there is some stuff that feels so far away for me to do because it's not really a priority. For example, going through my son, my son is not in 2T clothes anymore, but he definitely still has 2T clothes in his closet, right? But it's not really a priority, but it's still in there. It's still something that I'm thinking about. It's still on my list. And so just having somebody to come and like, go do that for me. And now it's done. I don't have to think about it anymore. It's just creating space in my mind is so it's worth every penny. And to be honest, like it's relatively affordable, right? Like, and again, I say that with an immense amount of gratitude and immense immense amount of privilege for the business that I, that I built. I never want to say, I would never be like, well, just go hire someone for your house. I recognize that, that, you know, I'm extremely privileged to be able to have that option. Um, But my business has afforded me to do that. But it honestly, for me, it's like, less about how clean my and organized my house is and more about just the mental space that I now have in my brain. Yes. I am like trying to hold back the laughter because when you're talking about going through your kid's closet. So I have three boys and it's the same thing. Like they'll come down in a pair of pants and they're like two inches too short. Right. And I'm like, you're like, that doesn't oh, yeah. Let me mentally add that to the list that I need to go through their closets when I have a free weekend, which is we're in a season of, we're just my, the, the ages my kids are at, we're busy, we're in activities, we're gone on weekends for sports and other things. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's adding to that tab. And I think, um, what I'd like you to touch on in a second here is that whole mindset shift, right? Because Mm -hmm. I know for me before just thinking about how I was investing my money. Right. And it was like, Oh, I want to, I want to go shopping and buy some new clothes or shoes, or I'd like to take this vacation or, you know, just looking at investing in those ways. But for me, when I really shifted the mindset to start looking at where I could incorporate more help in my life. And yes, that is an investment. If you don't have family that helps, we're the same way. We don't have my, my mom lives close, but she's kind of doing her own thing. And, but when you don't have those types of communities around you or people around you, I think when you look at it from a mindset of, okay, if I can invest, um, some of that, that free, I don't want to say free money, but like, you know, that portion of income that I have, that's available to invest in different ways. If I look at it as where can I start incorporating more help into my life? Whether that's yeah having a cleaner once a month even, or every two weeks or whatever you can start out at is having a house helper, having um your groceries delivered to you. We use Instacart. I don't know if you guys have that yeah. by you or maybe a civil, similar delivery service, but like I have the groceries delivered straight to my front door. So I don't have to spend the time to go to the grocery store, do all the shopping, get home, unload it all. I literally just have to put it away when they drop it off. So when you allow yourself to free up space to do more of the things that feel good to you, the the quality of life that you want to have, spending more time with your loved ones, doing more things for yourself, like 
I remember I felt so bad because it was all the free time that I had with my kids on the weekends. I was cleaning the house, doing laundry, running errands. There wasn't a lot of time for fun stuff because it was things that needed to get done to manage a household that I didn't have time to do otherwise. So if you like could speak to, was there a mindset shift for you that, you know, took to kind of look at asking for help? Cause I think that's a big barrier for a lot of women and moms, right? We, we think we should do it all and we should do it great. Like Pinterest type worthy stuff, but did it take some time for you to shift that mindset or has asking for help always come easy to you? Or what does that look like? Um, asking for help has never come easy to me. I'm a <laughs> competitive athlete, sport playing person, high achieving human. So yes, having yes. to ask for help is, is something that's been hard. There's, there's two mindset shifts here that I think are really important. And the first one is, you know, what I actually value as a human. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I think about my core values, the thing that I actually value most in my life is freedom and not just like financial freedom or time freedom. For me, it's like freedom of my mind Mm-hmm. right? Like to be able to create whatever I want to do, what I want. And so things like laundry and dishes are things that like take me away from that. Right. And so it's kind of twofold because the first part is when I was in my twenties, I'm 36 now. When I was in my twenties, I loved material things. Like I wanted the shoes. I wanted the bags. That was like, you know, I wanted to be fancy. That was what I, what I valued at the time. And thankfully I'm not that person anymore. And so, yeah. you know, I would so much rather have someone clean my house you know, once a week or however many times a week, then like buy a new Louis Vuitton bag. Like that just isn't, that's not me. I don't desire, I don't desire fancy things in my life. I like nice things, but like buying the 15, that $1,500 purse that that's never, that hasn't appealed for me in quite some time. Um, and so there's that shift, but I think the, the second part that's, you know, really important that asking for help is that I was actually forced into it in the second year of owning my gym. So I want to talk about that for that second year that was really difficult earlier in the podcast. We had a employee that worked for us in the gym. He was about 20, 30 hours a week, which in a CrossFit gym is a lot of classes. And so when my daughter was about eight months old, he had to go back. He decided that it was time for him to get like a big boy job. And I think he was like maybe like 26, 25, 26 at the time. So he needed to get a big boy job. And so we were losing our core employee. And so the only way, remember, as in this season of like, I will do anything to keep this business open, the only way for it to continue was for me to go back and work. And so I was actually forced, forced, um, nobody forced me, but I forced myself to hire a nanny. And so we had a nanny that was actually with us, with our family for three and a half years. She started when my daughter was eight months old. And so that was sort of the first recognition of like, oh, I, I can't do this. And for me, it was painful and it took a lot of unlearning for me to be like, if I hire an nanny, does that make me a bad mom? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in Canada, it's very different than the US and we're very privileged. Um, we get a year of maternity leave. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a year because I own my own business, yeah. but it's a year or you can even have 18 months now, which wasn't the case when I, when I had littles. But, um, you know, most mothers, most mothers in Canada are on mat leave with their eight month old. And here I am thinking oh my gosh, I'm going to like leave my baby with a nanny and go back to work. Like, and so that was really the first thing. I didn't have a choice. It was Mm -hmm. like, you're either closing your business or you're not running any of those classes or you're going to be spotty. You're going to let your members down or you're going to hire a nanny. And hiring the nanny was really like the first piece for me that even though it was really difficult, 
Uh, she was an angel. We called her like a Disney character. She was, you know, 25 and beautiful. All of my, my husband's friends always joke, like we got the hot nanny and she like, but she like sings to my kids. Like my Hannah loved her. My daughter loved her. And um, for that though, it was like really this first recognition of like, oh, actually I'm happier because I'm going back into my business. I'm happier because I'm doing things for myself. I'm, I'm a better mom because I have this little bit of space. And so that was the first, you know, I would say outsourcing childcare was actually the easier of the transitions. Outsourcing the housework, which again, this is like fresh, we're in it right now. Uh, it's taking a little bit more time. There's definitely some guilt there, but I also know that like housework isn't a woman's role. It's just, you know, these are, this is the conditioning we have over uh, decades of watching our mothers do it and um, feeling like it's something that you're supposed to do. But um, I do think like there's so much, even after three days, like there's just so much freedom in knowing that like, that's not a load I have to carry anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. I think it doesn't come naturally to most of us. If it does come easy to you, um, hold on to that, embrace it. That's amazing because I think that's, you know, not the norm for most women, but you're right. I think it's just starting small, even if that is really hard, but the more you shift that mindset, the more you kind of flex that muscle, if you will, and kind of build that, it gets easier over time, right? Because you do realize what you're gaining, what you're getting back by allowing that help. And there was another um, phrase that a friend of mine had used when we were talking about the same concept. And she said, you know, I really look at it from a standpoint of I'm supporting another small business, right? Like if you're supporting mm. a nanny or a house helper or a cleaner, or even the Instacart people who deliver and, you know, I tip them, you're supporting people that are doing these things. And that yep. is helpful to them because this is the work that they're choosing to do, um, oh. whether they love it or not, or transition down the road. But at that time, you get to help support them in that role. So I know that really helped kind of reframe it for me too. Like if this is somebody's small business of like house cleaning, right? I'm supporting her in her work and what she wants to do in this world right now. And that feels good too, because I, I will love to give, I love to serve, I love to help. So when I can look at it from that standpoint, that's been super helpful for me too. So just know, like Laura said, if you're if you struggle to ask for help, start small and then really frame it in a way that feels good for you that, you know, you know, you're going to, I think have to work through that guilt. All moms have guilt all the time. And that's something I like to help moms work through is that's really a self-imposed sentence, right? Because we're feeling Mm -hmm. like we're not living into these societal norms or expectations or whatever that is. And we have to unlearn that we have to kind of work through that and unpeel that to really step into what feels good for us and yeah. the season of life we're in and how we can move through that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree fully. It's so interesting hearing you say that because what I'm thinking of is, you know, I have an agency, right. And I outsource aspects of, you know, my agency, it's the same thing. You know, saying yeah. I have a copywriter and a VA it's, you know, outsourcing aspects of your business. It's okay to outsource aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would love for you to speak on to, you know, the conversations that I have in, in the small town that I'm in and, and with other moms, I, I fully 100% know that entrepreneurship is not for everybody, that there still are 
corporate jobs and other things that women can do that are equally amazing. But I think also highlighting the opportunity and what entrepreneurship can really mean for a mom. If you could unpack that, kind of talk about that a little bit, like how has that helped you in your motherhood journey? Um, what you're able to do for yourself and your family and how has that benefited you in that way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely pros and cons I will say. And, you know, if, if you think entrepreneurship's for you, I like encourage you to explore it. It is, you're right. It is not for everybody. Uh, You have to be kind of wired a certain way to want to be an entrepreneur. I say that there's like entrepreneurs and there's employees and there's nothing we, we need both. Right. Some Mm -hmm. people just love being an employee and other people, you know, are just wired to be entrepreneurs. I never felt settled in my corporate life and I never knew why. And it was because like, oh no, you were just never really built to work for somebody else. Like when I look back, I was not a great employee, um, which I can laugh about now. Uh, But I think, you know, there's a couple of big things. And, you know, for me, I've only ever experienced entrepreneurship through the lens of motherhood. I know a lot of incredible women that, you know, started in corporate and then switched to entrepreneurship. And so I can't, you know, other than watching other people go through it from a corporate perspective, it's, I can't really weigh on um, that experience. But what I can share is what entrepreneurship has done for me is I can drop off my kids and pick them up from school every day and know that, you know, that's going to happen. If, you know, I have a sick kid, I'm not worried about how many sick days I have, or, you know, if I have to call and disappoint somebody else, you know, my clients all know when they come into my world, like, Hey, I've got little kids and there's very little that I will cancel our sessions on, but I will, if my kids are sick. And, um, you know, that's also on the flip side, really difficult because if your kids are sick for an extended period, and you're trying to run your business. I made my husband take a sick day the other day. I was like, you are calling in sick, sir, because there's no way that I can continue to run this business. But I think what it's created is just, you know, the ability to work from everywhere, from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm going to travel with my family or spend a little bit of extra time, you know, I can just check in and, and work from there. But on the flip side, like there isn't always on-ness. That's not, yes. that's not a word, but we're going to go with it anyway. Yes. Um, that comes with entrepreneurship and learning how to, I don't believe in work-life balance. You, you said that at the beginning, uh, I believe more in integration and learning on how to like integrate and experience harmony with all of the roles that you play, I think is an ongoing piece, but mm-hmm. you know, what I have seen entrepreneurship do as far as, you know, when I think about the clients that I have um, in the coaching side of my business, what I've seen it bring to their family, like income that they would never have been able to achieve in a corporate situation the freedom that they would never have been able to achieve in a corporate situation. All of that is so powerful. The flip side is it's really easy to burn out. It's really easy to lose your fire. And that's, you know, a big part of what I do for my clients is making sure that burnout doesn't happen. Most of my clients are, are mothers of young children. And so, yeah, I would say like, I'm so grateful for having this experience. I will be an entrepreneur as long as like, possibly can. There'd have to be a really good job for me to to stop being an entrepreneur, but I am super grateful for what it's done for me in terms of flexibility of time. Like my kids come home at four o'clock. I'm not having to deal with like finding before care and after care and dealing with the stress of commuting. It's taken all of that off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for that, I'll be forever grateful. Yeah. Thank you for being honest about it because, you know, again, just being able to share the pros and cons, the good and the bad, and not just saying, yes, this is amazing. It's time freedom. It's financial freedom. And those yes, are all great aspects, but being able to really highlight, you know, and look at 
the aspects that are harder and tougher that are different from a corporate job. And so thank you for, for shedding that light and being honest with that. And I think you're right. It's, you have to do what feels right to you. So, you know, for, for any women, woman who is out there like struggling with direction, I laugh, I like laughing when you said you were not a good employee. I was not either. I worked in a cube and I felt like my, my skin was itchy. Like I, it just, Mm -hmm. I, it took everything for me to sit in that chair for eight hours. It was at the end of it. It got so extremely difficult. I was like, okay, I can't work for anybody else. So what are the other options? Because um, I just questioned everything. I questioned everything. Well, why would we get that way? I remember, you know, I went from agencies to, um, you know, a luxury automotive company that had so much process. I was like, why, why is there so much process? Why do I need to get three quotes for that? Can't we just, you know, it's just this like constant. Like, what if we just did it, you know? And so, yeah, I, I look back and all I can do is sort of laugh. Oops. Mm Same, same. So honor yourself and honor what you're feeling, but absolutely don't be afraid to dip your toe in the water. If you think Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship might be for you, or you're curious what it looks like. I mean, you have permission at any moment to change your mind. So it's not a lifelong decision. You can change it if it doesn't work for you, but don't be afraid to at least start. And I think kind of wrapping this in a bow and circling back to what we were talking about earlier is that don't discount the skills and the things that you've learned along the way, whether it's skills you've learned as a stay-at-home mom. I mean, stay-at-home moms are like time ninjas. They're- Oh my gosh, I'm not cut out for that job. Organized, they're on top of it. Like there's so many skills that you have that I think you really need to look at and not discount that could be beneficial if you're thinking you could serve somebody in, in a way- you know, that would form a business or that would be helpful that they would pay you for. So definitely don't shy away from it. Don't be afraid. I mean, honestly, reach out to Laura. This is what her, her business does and can help you with. And so, um, you also run a mastermind for ambitious women. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. I have a mastermind. It's called the ambition mastermind. It is open twice a year. Um, so it'll open the next cohort will open in July. I'm not sure when this, this episode will drop, but July is the next cohort. It's a six month mastermind for ambitious entrepreneurial mothers. Um, and it is designed to help you grow your business, but also I bring in, um, some really incredible experts on things that I know very little about. So we've had, uh, cycle syncing, we've had confidence and style, we've had energetics, we've had breath work, we've had uh, human design. So it's been, uh, it's a really beautiful container and, um, I love it. It's I, I run a lot of programs and um, I love the Ambition Mastermind the most because the amount of like safety and security and like just a place that's home for these women is yeah. is really cool. Because I think that there is a piece of, you know, entrepreneurship is hard. Motherhood is really hard. You slam them together. It can make for a really, really lonely experience. And you don't, you can't get it. Like, no, you can't understand it until you live it. And so I think what's so powerful about the Ambition Mastermind is this container of women who are, you know, some of them are seven-figure business owners. Some of them are, you know, looking for their first six-figure year this year. So there's quite a big range, but the shared experience is so strong Mm -hmm. and their ability to support each other in this container is is honestly been magic. And so out of all of the programs I've ever run or continue to run, that's my favorite. So it it opens in every year, it'll open in January and then there'll be a July cohort, which is awesome. 
That sounds amazing. I say it all the time that it just, you can't do it without community and community of like-minded women who are, you know, headed in the same direction, have similar goals, have similar values. That is something that's even beyond words to explain when you have a community that's there to support you in those types of ways. That's truly amazing. So when you can Mm -hmm. find those women, when you can connect with them and be in those containers, I say, if, if it like sparks an interest, if you're like, I need to know more, check it out because most of the women who I talk to who have done similar things, it, there's just like, you can't even explain what you get out of it and how much it elevates. So that's incredible. One last question for you, Laura. Yeah. If you were to speak to the woman you were a few years ago, you know, making that pivot from closing your gym to, you know, starting an online business, having really small kids, like in the, in the middle of all of it, like really tiny kids, what would you tell women who are in that same place that you were a few years ago? What advice or, um, guidance would you give them? Yeah, I would, I would say two things. I think the first one is like, it's okay to not know. And like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like nobody that has done this before you knew what they were doing. And so even in those moments where it feels like total chaos, just keep moving forward. And I think, you know, I, when I look back at that version of myself, I'm so proud of her for not knowing and doing it anyway. Um, so that side of it. And the other is, is just around confidence and, um, I don't know if you listen to Mel Robbins, but Mel Robbins had Amy Porterfield on her, her. podcast recently. Yes. We love, we love Mel Robbins. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about confidence and it's something that, you know, confidence has been something that, you know, really, I think I'm finally at a place in my life where I feel confident in a lot of things at 36, but mm-hmm. certainly looking back at, you know, that version of myself, she wasn't particularly confident about what she was going to be doing and really just recognizing that, like, and, and this is something I love to tell women as well is confidence isn't going to disappear. Confidence comes from repetition. Confidence comes from information. And until you have done the thing, you will not have received the information that it's going to work. Right. And so what you what you're so many women are waiting to feel confident in order to make a decision. But what they actually need is courage. You don't need confidence. It's not going to show up. And so when I think back to, you know, to that version of myself, I'm so proud of her for a being courageous. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself in a lot of ways for continuing to be courageous. Starting a podcast is courageous. Showing on being on your podcast is courageous. Right. These are things that a lot of people would look at and think, oh, I would never do that. Um, and so that's one thing that I just love to share with women is, you know, you don't have to know you're not going to, so just put one foot in front of the other, do the best you can with the tools you have and on your way, you're going to collect more tools, but stop waiting to be confident to do it. Cause you just need to be brave. Oh, I could not agree more. This conversation has been amazing. You've dropped so much gold. So I appreciate you. How can we find you? Yeah, the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. And if you've made it to this part of the episode, we are officially friends. So you can DM me. I'm at it's Laura Sinclair. Uh, my website is is laura-sinclair.com. I'll send you all the links. So I'm sure you can drop them in the show notes. But Instagram is the place that I hang out the most. And then I also have a podcast called This Mother Means Business. If you want to check that out, I would love, I'd love for you to listen. And again, we are friends now. So send me a DM, say hi. 
Yes. I love that. I will link everything in the, in the show notes. I know most of the women that listen to this podcast are podcast junkies, just like me. So I can never get enough podcasts in my life. So we will make sure to link all the things so that you can find Laura. If you loved this conversation, like she said, reach out, send her a message, let her know, you know, what you took away, what was helpful, what you needed to hear. Because I know in every conversation, there's always things that moms, women need to hear that they're not alone, that we're all going through it together. So Laura, thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you've shared. So, so honored to have you on the podcast today. Uh, Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I'm so grateful that you chose to spend this time with me today because I know firsthand how valuable your time is. If you're on Instagram, it would mean the world to me if you shared the episode, tagged me, and told me what you loved about today's conversation. This community was literally built for you, so I want to know what is resonating, what you want to hear more of, and what your current challenges are. If you want to connect further, head on over to thereconnectedmama.com to learn more about this community and how we can work together. Remember, Mama, you deserve to live your best life, so don't settle.